You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Florida State got bullied by a 1-4 team. For those that took a nap at noon or just tuning into our podcast, Louisville beat Florida State 48-16. Let that sink in. Just let it sink in, 48-16. For every step forward this team takes, it seems like it takes two steps back. I know we've said that before, but it's real. And we're FSU fans, so we've become used to this. Florida State falls to 2-4 and four on the season, including 1-4 and four against the ACC. The Seminoles are now 0-3 on the road this season. I got Chris Knee by my side. We'll get right into this. Chris, explain what we just witnessed. We witnessed a football team that did absolutely nothing to build on a very big victory a week before. In fact, truthfully, it feels like there's not a single silver lining I can point to from that loss of 48-16 to at Louisville today. Uh, offensively, FSU was poor. They couldn't throw the ball to save their lives, 141 yards through the year on 41 attempts. They did run it pretty effectively, 40 rushes for 265 and one touchdown on the ground. They averaged 6.6 per rush. That's not sack adjusted. They did allow two sacks, so it's a little higher than that. But uh, defensively, oh, my God, it it was a mess. I mean, they were awful defensively. Malik Cunningham, quarterback for Louisville, did what he wanted, 278 and two through the year. Rushing Louisville, 37 rushes, 291, four touchdowns on the ground. Javian Hawkins, who everybody knew was very good walking in the door, 16, buck 74, three touchdowns on the ground. 2-2 Atwell, an All-American, three receptions, buck 29, receiving touchdown, also had a two-yard rushing touchdown. It's just kind of amazing when you can have a book written on what the opposing team's going to attempt to do and the players that they're going to focus on, their quarterback, their running mm-hmm. back, their key receiver. And then you allow them to just go out there and do whatever the hell they want constantly throughout the afternoon. Louisville hit chunk play after chunk play. They had 13 chunk plays for about 429 yards, I think it was on the day. Uh, you know, five through the air, eight on the ground. Hawkins 70-yard touchdown run is one of those. 66-yard reception by Atwell. That set up another touchdown is another one of those. Malik Cunningham had a 35-yard rush. Berkeley, I don't even know who Berkeley is. He's their third string running back. He came into this game. He has a 41-yard rush. He got in on the party. Why not? I mean, here's the longest receptions. Eight different receivers for Louisville caught a ball. Longest Mm -hmm. reception for each receiver. 66, 42, 23, 20, 13, 10, 8, 2. So it does calm down on the back half of that. But those first four, you can't allow plays like that. 17.4 per completion for Louisville. 7.9 per rush. I, it's just it was a bludgeoning. I mean, they beat FSU skull, and they had 569 yards total, 278 in the air, 291 on the ground. And then beyond that, FSU did nothing to help themselves. They had numerous drop balls early and late. You know, Chubba Purdy goes 0 for 9, but I think in his nine attempts, he had four drop balls maybe. I mean, that just speaks to how poor of an effort FSU had from every facet of their team today. They also commit 11 penalties for a buck 4 Missed tackles were a major issue on defense, bad assignments, I would too much so. crashing down in large areas of grass, wide open. There is not a thing FSU did well on the day. They missed a field goal, so special teams went ahead and got in on the party. Now special teams did recover a fumble on a punt, so that is a positive we can point out. But, man, ugly showing for FSU at Louisville. It's a game where, you know, we spoke on the podcast prior to the game about the hope that they would win because mm-hmm. it's a game that felt somewhat like a toss-up. 
you know, we knew Louisville could be explosive. That is who and what Louisville is. They have not been very good at being that this year, but under Satterfield last year, that's why they found success going eight and five. So we knew they were capable of that. We knew a guy like Atwell, a guy like Hawkins could do big things. We knew Cunningham was capable enough as a quarterback running that system. So nothing they did is ultra surprising. The issue is that FSU allowed them to do it so often and so effortlessly. And at the same time, FSU did everything in their power to make sure they hindered any ability to hang around in that game and make it interesting. Hmm. Due to COVID concerns, Chris Nee and I uh, stayed home due to CBS travel policy, I should say, due to these COVID pandemic concerns. But Brendan Sinone is in Louisville, and he covered the game for us, and he is begging to get in on this call. Chris, should I let him in? To this let call? him in. All let right. the man here speak. Here we go. I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is going to be, but here we go. Hello. This is your we, platform. We were, just, we were just recapping all the great things that happened today, which were pretty much nothing for FSU, and pointing out how many ways FSU did themselves poorly on today, offensively, defensively, special teams, penalties, all the above. So hop on in on this gravy train. I'm actually passing a train right now. Louisville has trains outside of its stadium. So what did you see from, from your vantage point in the press box? Give us, give us your account. I wrote my three things we learned at halftime. Like, I, I learned everything that I needed to about this game, about this week, within the first 30 minutes of the contest. So uh, you already knew that Florida State was going to go scoreless in the second half on offense? Because they did that last week, and I think they did it the week before against Notre Dame. And they might have done what, it another time this season. You know what was legitimately concerning? Uh, and I don't want to get too much into, like, the result of, of this game, but, but the body language on the sideline I thought was the worst that it's been all season. Oh, boy. Uh, I thought that that was frustrating to me to watch the guys. Even, you know, even at times like against Notre Dame, you do sideline watching on TV, uh, and and there was the liveliness. This just seemed like there was maybe four or five guys who seemed engaged and dialed in. It was weird. I, I don't know. Can I, even, can I vent though? Can I yeah, vent on get, this get it off your chest. That's what we're here for. All buddy. right, all right. So, I drove up. It was supposed to be a ten and a half hour drive. Oh boy, this is about you. I thought it was about the team. No, it's no, all, no, no. It's no. always about him, Josh. <laughs> This is, this is my trip encompasses this football program as of today. Of course it does. Go ahead. The, t- the 10 and a half hour drive was not 10 and a half hours. It was about 14 hours. It wasn't as bad as 2016 when Chris and I got stuck on the highway for about 16 hours. You know where Lasile, Kentucky is? No, you don't. You know why? No one knows where it is. Neither does my GPS. I was lost there in this stupid little town for about an hour last night, an hour driving around back and forth, no GPS, decided to start raining as soon as it got dark, and the GPS dropped out too, uh, and it derailed me from doing bourbon hunting. Speaking of bourbon, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. You know how many distilleries I'm going to be able to see this weekend? None. Well, I know why, because this stupid game started at noon, which was too early to go see distilleries, and it ends at 4.30. Well, you know what? That's okay, because this episode is brought to you by the original Market Square Liquors, located right off there on Timberlane Road near Thomasville and I-10. And guess what, Brendan? I'm going to give them a call and put together a little care package for you for when you get back into town and you can go by and pick it up and help you, uh, let's say, say, recover from the weekend. Snow, do you drive, why do you drive back roads like the government's after you? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get that. Like, when I'm going, all right. I get there as fast We're as We're done possible. with Sedone. All right, see no, you, Brendan. Wait, Thanks for your right. hard work. Oh, no. Chris. Yes. 
what did Satterfield see in Fuller's defense? Because he seemed to have a pretty good plan of attack. Well, I mean, early on it was Atwell. Um, you know, they got Atwell free in space. That cat's fast. Mm. And, you know, it, it just – they created mismatches and they took advantage of it. Anytime you can get Atwell on a linebacker or safety, and I believe his long reception was on a safety matchup, he's going to win that most times. And those are one-on-ones that maybe you hope your defense is going to win. They're not going to win it against Atwell. If that ball's put on the spot, Atwell's probably going to be running free and able to catch it. It's just his athletic ability. The the rushing attack was more just Louisville executed while FSU didn't. I don't I – don't, tackling is part of coaching. Fundamentals is part of coaching. This isn't to say it's not on the coaches in the sense of the rushing attack having so much so much success. But at the same time, it's also on the players they have to make plays. And, you know, one of the biggest runs of the day was FSU crashing down, losing contain, the run going from the right side to the left side turns into a big run. There were examples of that. And there were other instances where FSU could have made a play in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage, and they failed to do so. There's a lot of negative plays and definitely several stuffs that FSU left on that field because they just did not make plays. But Man, I mean, hold on. Talking about – when we talk about not making plays, I mean – what happened to the wide receivers today? Keyshawn Helton had a drop. I mean, that was a killer. They're down 14 to seven. I'm not even talking about the one at the end that everybody remembers, which could have been Chubba Purdy's first touchdown catch. I'm talking about the one where they were down 14 to seven. Yeah. Um, I think that's a game that not only killed the drive, but it halted the momentum. And at that point we didn't know, I think um, Louisville was on the way to score 28 unanswered points or 31 answered points at that point. So Man, what was up with the wide receivers today? I mean, they've shown this before this year. It's been different culprits each time, which specific guys having the worst day. Helton had a very bad day, mm-hmm. but he's far from the only one. As I mentioned, that last two-drive section with Chubba Purdy, there were several drops. As you mentioned, Helton had the killer one early. There's some more mixed in in between those two. Port- Portier had a couple at the end. Jordan yeah. Young didn't – I mean, he didn't have any drops per se, but he didn't do a whole lot to help out his quarterback. But, I mean, the offense had other issues, pre-snap penalties. You have the Preston Daniel basically crack back block where he's outside the tackle box and the guy doesn't see him there. You know, things like that are the kind of things that blow things up for FSU, and they're not good enough offensively to recover from that. And the other issue is when a team's able to jump on FSU, its current form with Jordan Travis at quarterback, they're not built to climb out of a deep hole. I mean, they're, they're not built to pass their way out of it. FSU is built to run the ball effectively and take shots and – Louisville was going to let FSU run the ball once they had a big enough lead, but mm-hmm. they weren't going to give it shots, and the shots really weren't there. And, you know, you turn Jordan Travis into an intermediate and shorter passer, he's not particularly effective at that. That's not playing to his strength. Plus, he's banged up. I mean, it was clear as day he was banged up to hell before that game probably even kicked off, but definitely within that game. There were points where his left arm was slouching again, and he took some vicious hits. So, it's just bad. They – FSU cannot be their own worst enemy. They're not a talented enough team to beat a lot of people straight up sometimes, but when they are their own worst enemy, there's no chance in hell for them to compete in games, let alone win them. And that's what happened today. They were mm. bad in so many factors that they, they were dead in the water. I mean, that game was over at halftime, and there was nothing done in the second half to really walk away with a silver lining. Or There's no Notre Dame. I mean, literally no- nothing. Yeah, Notre Dame, you had that late drive that a lot of people hung their hat on and said, ooh, this could be a big moment. And then the UNC game happened, so people believed, yes, it's a big moment. I'm in that boat. I'll agree with that. Mm -hmm. The issue today is that none of that happened. There's nothing there 
you know, other than lessons to be learned of how not to play a game of football that can be taken away from today. I, it was pathetic. It was an awful, awful showing. And it's really disappointing that a team that you felt like in the last six quarters before this week had started to take some steps in a positive direction, obviously still had some major flaws, but had started taking some positive steps. They didn't build on that. And I, I thought the most telling comment in the post game, and we only spoke to Mike Norvell, Jordan Travis and Emmett Rice in the post game. I thought the most telling comment was Jordan Travis kind of let it slip that they certainly lost their confidence in that game. And I don't think that's solely a defensive thing today. I think the offense majorly lost their confidence, especially with the ability to kind of make something out of nothing. And yeah, it showed. This is pretty interesting. During the game, I had a recruit reach out to me. He's a class of 2023. So that he's a sophomore in high school. He's an offensive center. Should I say his name or should I keep him anonymous? I mean, it's not like a, anybody that anybody's heard of. Yeah, I'd leave it anonymous. Okay. I'll leave it anonymous. But he, he took the time. This was like late in the third quarter. And he wrote four takeaways. Here's what he's told me. Things I've taken away from the FSU game. One, the defense is going to be a problem all year unless discipline is enforced and players start taking pride in what they do. The defense is too soft as of right now. Two. Jordan Travis is becoming too predictable due to the fact that he cannot scram- that, that he can scramble like a lot. Our wide receivers need to give him a chance and get open. Also, the wide receivers need to use their hands to catch a ball. Three, the O-line is young and have a lot to learn about using their eyes to pick up blitz coming in a little bit late. Louisville sent in a few linebackers about one second after the ball was snapped and they got in the backfield untouched. Four. Defense needs to calm down and stop celebrating after they get a tackle when the opposing team picked up 10 yards in a first down. This also comes with discipline. That, that should literally be put on a board and hung over the locker room exit as they go on the field, and they should take it on the road and hang it because that has been true for several years now, and my God, I can't wait for the day we see that consistently. Practice. He finishes, I am a high school sophomore right now, and I see this. I believe in FSU, but we have a lot to fix if we want to do something with our football program again. <laughs> you realize Louisville before the fourth quarter, their third to last drive, not well, second to last drive before the one that ended the game. That was meaningless. They every single drive they had had, but two had turned into successful drives. They did miss a field goal attempt. So there's three drives where they got nothing, but they have the touchdown, 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 field mm-hmm. goal. Field goal attempt missed. That's the first half. And they get in position to attempt that field goal. So in the first half, they are literally successful on every single drive, even though they don't get any points on that last one. They open the second half with a punt on a three and out. Then they go touchdown, FSU gets the safety. They go field goal, touchdown, and we are entirely in garbage time in the fourth quarter at this point. You know, sub seven minutes left in the game. So it's just amazing. Louisville's offense chugged, you know, churn through FSU's defense in whatever manner they want to. I mean, it was mind-blowing to just, oh, here's another big play. Oh, here's another big play. You know, their running back averages 10.9 per touch. Mm. You know, it's just – it was an awful showing. And FSU one for five on fourth down. That's a place where they've been pretty good this year at having some success. They didn't have that today. They were seven for 18 offensively on third down, five for nine defensively on third down. I think you can live with seven for 18 on third down offensively. You don't want to, but you can. Five for nine, certainly you don't want to live that way on defense. That means you're losing too often and staying on the field. And um, 
yeah, I just ugly, ugly football game. I mean, and, you know, usually I go back and I watch the film and I, I feel like, oh, you know, it's a few plays. This game in Miami are two games where I don't feel that way. I feel like those are two instances where the other team just kind of did whatever they wanted to do on the day. Yeah. And that's supremely disappointing that here we are midway point of the season hitting the bye week. And that's still so many of the issues that are within FSU's control are still such a massive issue. And that, that just, you know, we, we thought there was some buy-in going on. And at this point, uh, I think you have to dismiss some of that. I don't, I don't think that showed itself today. Mm-hmm. And for those that keep track of these type of things, FSU is now one in five in the all white Jersey combo. That's since 2014. Um, might they're, be time 0 for... they're 0 and three on the road this year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, the, the all white uniform combo is one in five since 2014. I had Tarif knockout fact check that for me. So yeah. if you ever need a uniform question, that's the man. That I, yeah. I just, I mean, just looking at this, um, we should be spending more time talking about Chubba Purdy. Uh, we've spent so much time throughout the preseason and even into the season talking about Purdy time. And we did get to see it a little bit. And I think there'd be some excitement to be had had his wide receivers not let him down, completely let him down. Oh, for nine? You, you think he was let down some? <laughs> but how many drops were there? Four? I think at least four, yeah. He had a couple. At his first attempt, he almost threw a pick. Yeah, uh, and he threw one he, in the stands. He, which was he has the one to help, and that should be caught. He has a couple to Tron that, you know, at least 50-50, mm-hmm. if not better, in Tron's favor. So, yeah, there were examples where guys could have helped him out. He had two rushes. One was five yards. The other one was three yards. Yeah, it's very small sample size, two drives there at the end of the game. But it was pretty clear the offense lacked confidence, truthfully, all of the second half. You know, FSU posts two points in the second half, and that's the safety yeah. recorded by Emmett Rice, who recorded FSU's lone sack on a day and one of their five tackles for loss. So, again, lack of creating negative plays is a major issue for FSU mm-hmm. on the day. We'll get into it more this week um, on Knowles 24-7 and when we return to On the Bench, we'll have Brendan Sinone back with us. It's going to be a rough week. I mean, it's a bye week, so Florida State fans and players and coaches have to sit on this and, and just kind of marinate on an ugly game. Um, but we'll break it all down. I mean, we'll get into what this means in terms of Jordan Travis moving forward as the starter. Do we see Chubba Purdy? These will be things that we talk about all week. So make sure you subscribe to On the Bench on Apple Podcasts. Um, you guys can also please give us some five-star reviews. We need some positivity in our life right now. So for Chris Nee, I'm Josh Newberg. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon.